which I'm going to go ahead and transition to the one minute point. Somebody's sound. Yeah, I hear somebody sound in the background. I didn't hear anything. I don't know what's going on. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening are the Dapper DM, Troy Sandlin. Hello. Hi. And the Dwarven DM, <laughs> John, John Christian. Christian. Thank you. Welcome, <laughs> Molly Ho, everyone. <laughs> Wild show up. <laughs> Troy chokes on his drink. I. <clears throat> you know, and nobody's noticed, as I knew that they wouldn't. Hmm. <gasps> Look at that, you devil! You. That's right. So, by the way, look for our an, old listener God, and watcher yeah. at home. It's a it's I, a cravat. I just want to I want to I want to go on record as having like the feeling slighted by the universe when, when anytime that I'm around Troy in public. When it comes to beards, because look, I'm not saying that my beard is like anything special, but it's like it's like all I've got. The mm-hmm. Lord took everything that He could from the top, and I feel like I got this transference of like further down on my face. But the, I cannot begin to tell you how many times we were at Origins. Troy's just minding his own business, and people were like, "Oh, dude, I love your beard, man!" Not just guys, like, "Oh, I like your beard," from from ladies and and everything in between. I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Like teach me your ways. It like, was, I put oil in my beard, and it I, was so funny. Well, I combed through it, and you know, to be fair, John, uh-huh. pretty much everybody that said anything came at me facing me, mm. and you always had your back to them. Oh, that's not. You know, uh, look, man, I don't need your pity. I love you, but I don't need your pity. He wasn't okay. being pity. He was saying like, you got to work on your attitude because when yeah. you, when somebody <laughs> approaches us and the first thing you do is you turn your back to them like some sort of like screw, holier screw than you. thou like <laughs> screw, yeah. you. screw you, dwarfy. Yeah, <laughs> nice beard though. No, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Today <laughs> I love it. I love it. I Craig. love that, Craig. Craig, That's Troy right. the white, Zach the black, and John of many colors. Yeah, and we know Calico. that many colors is is like wizard code for poser, right? For, <laughs> like, what? Like it's a self declared title. It's to... not a real. It's not a real coloration at all. It's... How has my beard come under attack like this? Uh, all of a sudden, like I like I feel personally attacked. Well, because now. you know, mine's white. Zach's is dark, and yours is. Many no, I color. get that. I can't. I mean, no, I'm I'm tracking with what you're saying. That doesn't make my feelings feel any better, though. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, Listen, we were uh, going to do the sixth crowdfunding corner. No, no, today. we are going to do. We are. We it's are going to do it. Yes, I will. Uh, before we do it, though, before we do it, we're going to have one one more sidetrack, and this is going to be a Zach sidetrack. But uh, I was on a plane today, and. In that plane, I thought I had downloaded um, a collection of episodes from the best podcast. 
uh, which is not ours. Um, and it did not happen. Um, and on the plane, airplane mode, I'm scrounging for podcasts that auto-download to my device. And lo and behold, I've got a collection of bite-sized gaming podcasts. And I'm like, why? 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 Why, why, why would I do why? this to myself? First off, first off, why? And second off, like, what ones do I have? And would you believe that I had the John DeLorean episode? Awesome. Oh my gosh. Wow. Throwback to like a couple of months ago. <laughs> well, no, it was December. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was December. December. Has it been that it long? December. Oh, wow, it's almost a, a year. Time warp. And uh, I will tell you that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing. Uh, uh, first off, this is I don't know if this was me or Troy at that point is right in that gap but whoever it was we did not splice like any sort of like cut scene or cut to new scene sounds in between so the first part of the episode is like hey we're going to we're going to pull John in for a quick little intro that he doesn't know about uh and then we're going to weld it onto this "Quote unquote off-air discussion that we had mm-hmm. with John about Mandalorian." Um, so you had this like, "Hey, we're gonna do this!" Ha ha! Surprise! John being super worked up, and then it's just like, like dies immediately. Like there's yep. no, there's no, uh, there's no pop sound. There's no pop sound. <laughs> yep. There's just like us saying, "Oh, it's gonna be so much fun," and then John being like. So I watched the first few episodes of The Mandalorian today. <laughs> I was like, what? That was a right turn in the conversation. Yeah, just... <laughs> uh, no, it was great. It was great. And then at the end, and then at the end, we evidently spliced again and had at the end of the conversation where that John had watched like five episodes of season one. Now all of a sudden he's talking about like season two, episode three. And I'm like, wait a minute. What <laughs> time? Warp, I'm like, we are, we are, a, we are a super professional podcast. That's what I took mm. away from yes, that. Yes. Right. Like I was like, good, good. But also like there is entertainment to be found even by me and our own <laughs> stuff. Right. Like, so I was oh, sitting no, there no. being like, oh. I, I, I go back and I'll listen to older the older ones in particular right the ones from like that like in the middle of the of the pandemic right during quarantine those are like those are sliced gold for me oh man that was, awesome. that was back well, when Zach was editing I just mm-hmm. said gosh the dang it was up is what you're saying we needed we need to harp on John more that's what this podcast has lost somewhere in the past few months is that. Mm-hmm. There's not been enough John Bash. So you've I'm taking you've taken are, it way too We're going to improve me. it. Yeah. Like John, first off, we apologize. And uh-huh. second off, we are going to strive to do better over the next few months Good. at 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 putting uh the DM of the year rightfully in his That's, place. Oh, so, let me tell you something. Yeah. Mike Amer, who boy <laughs> that was his job at Origins delight. was Mike can do one up. job well. <laughs> yeah, one that's, job and that's well ripping time, people that's a, apart. Oh boy, that was <laughs> well like, specifically John. Yeah, well he yes. does a good job. I wouldn't everybody. even give. I wouldn't give. Listen, let's not give Mike more credit than Mike is due. John is John is an easy target, and Mike <laughs> does really well with the easy targets. So <laughs> okay. apparently we're that. starting. We're starting to kick John 
more in the bars now. now. Yes. yes. Now. Yes. So, funny story. Yeah. Driving home from Origins, I had taken Gabriel with me. My son was with yes. me, and he comes. And we're in the car, and it's like two hours of him being on his phone, or me listening to an like an audio book or whatever. We talked a lot, but like it was mm. a good solid two hours of like nothing, and then. It, <laughs> Like from dead silence to goes, and they bust your balls a lot, don't they, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> it was li- literally like that. Like from nothing to I could tell. Like the wheels were turning in his head. I don't maybe maybe it had only been for five minutes, but in my mind, I think it's like for two hours. That's all he was thinking about was like, wow, they just kicked you in the nuts constantly while you were there and i go they do man he goes why i'm like i have no idea son i don't i don't know where it comes from like i deserve it obviously or i would or, or everyone wouldn't do it so no, it's, nothing it's, but love that's where it no comes no from. i know it comes from I right know. here and i would yeah i don't know that's real love yes real love that's exactly chop, chop, chop at my legs it's, that was pretty funny though they just bust your bust balls your the ball. entire time you were there and i was like yes they did son well, hey, listen, speaking of lazy DMs, that mm. leads right into our first. That was a fantastic segue. segue. I'm so glad that I could be the uh, yet another butt uh, in order to, uh, yes, thank yeah. you for that. Well, John, go ahead and uh, talk to your people, uh, the, lazy, the lazy DMs out there. Hey, uh, lazy people. Kick us off with our first crowdfunder of the, of the segment. You got it. So okay, so your friend and mine, Mike Shea of uh, of Lazy DM fame, has come out with a new Lazy DMs companion mm-hmm. book for on uh, on Kickstarter, and he's doing just like a phenomenal success. You know, I mean, good for him. I really like Mike. The, the very very brief interactions that I've had with him in the past, and I've I have the other Lazy DM. Uh, books and like fantastic locations and stuff, some of that stuff too. It's really, really good. Um, he's currently got it. He's in kicks on Kickstarter right now. 17 days left to go as of this recording. 6,400 and, and some change backers. $236,000. Yeah. Killing it. Good for you, Mike. Mike. You and everybody else that's involved in it, right? Um, so there is a physical component that's associated to it. Lots of PDFs uh, as well. He has a 17-page free sample that's out there for the uh, those that are still on the fence about whether or not it's worth it's worth uh, the purchase. Um, some of the stuff that he goes over are uh, tools for improvisation. I'm really interested to see that one. Like what? How do you encapsulate in D and D improvisational tools? Right, mm. it's something that you can instruct someone else with, or like a tool set they can use. Uh, quick tips, safety tools, session zero checklist, one on one guidelines, playing RPGs online. So this is uh, this to me seems like Mike over the last year and a half of the pandemic and the quarantine, kind of like everything that we've been learning for the last year to year and a half of online play. A lot of that stuff he's starting to. You're starting to see that creep into the not only his products but other products in particular. But uh, it's really cool. So point uh, zone-based combat, kind of the stuff that we saw with uh, the Dune RPG, mm-hmm. seeing that use like uh, it's like close, short, long, as opposed to worrying about like uh, the grid and right, kind of like starting to uh, make a more narrative combat approach to things. Um, options for first-level play, lazy combat encounters. 
Stress effects. I like the stress effects. Yeah. That goes, that's that alien RPG stuff, that that, that jam. Mm. Um, campaign generators, adventure generators. There's just so much stuff that's packed into this product. I'm really excited to see what comes out of it because, I again, for me, Mike produces good stuff. Like he it's does. pretty consistently. I don't use like every single bit that's in it, but it's kind of like um, remember when you were a kid, uh, Troy, because Zach was probably still in diapers at this point. Probably uh, so. Yeah. But do you remember when we used to play like video games, like Nintendo and such, and oh, you yeah. get that Nintendo Power? Oh, like yeah. How do you get like that's like this to me seems like that kind of a magazine that you would get on the monthly. Similar like Arcadia is not really the same thing. Arcadia is like. Uh, like here's new content that you can use in your campaigns, and it's not like here's how to up your game kind of thing that you get like in a, in a gazetteer or something like that. Right, this feels right. a lot like that to me. This is like the hardbound DM Nintendo Power kind of thing coming at me. So uh, I'm really excited about it. This is uh, and so that's my that's my number one to to throw off there. Um, he's obviously gonna he's obviously made it. Yes. Uh, with this, uh, he's in stretch stretch goal territory, but there were really not a ton of them. I actually yep. I say that. I don't he, think he has any stretch goals. He did not do any stretch goals. He wanted to focus completely on the the companion. Um, right. If you're a, if you're one of his Patreon patrons on Patreon, or if you want to be, um, they have been getting bits and pieces of what is in this book over the past several months as he's mm. kind of dribbled it out um, over things. Yeah, he just he just wanted to come out with with different things that you could take and plug in, and make it easier for you to DM, make it more fun for you to DM, more fun for your players, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen and to the his print podcast. version of this thing. The print version of this thing is twenty five bucks. Yeah, it's twenty five bucks. That's like that's chump change compared to what we usually spend for on print products. Mm-hmm. And, and you get the, I, there's you get the whole. Get right. the whole thing for on PDF. You can get all three books for twenty bucks. Yes. Yeah. And the map pack. Yep. Yeah. The, what is it? The seventy-five dollars or more is the the Lazy DM series. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole sh- like the whole shebang here. The Lazy DM's Companion, the Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, uh, the Lazy Dungeon Master's Workbook, the, all, like everything that's encompassed in that for seventy-five bucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's killer. I'm excited about it. like like gen, like really in for true, really excited about this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a lot that of good stuff. Yep. he does a lot of good stuff. Fascinating. Okay, so let's see. Uh, Twenty five bucks, sixty four page soft cover. Uh, go make that happen. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, it's already happening. So go make it happen for you. Go make it happen for you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving right along from the, I think that might be one of our, it is certainly one of our mega Kickstarters uh, yes. for the mm-hmm. for the weekend. Let's move along. Troy, you found a, a little gem. Talk to us about yeah, Freedom Squadron. Oh, yeah. Freedom Squadron. Friends and Foes Manual. For those of you that don't know what Freedom Squadron is and that you're, uh, you know, John and I's in the John age range, you spend a lot of time running home after school to make sure you caught the latest episode of the G.I. Joe cartoon. Mm-hmm. I had the comic books. I had the action figures. I watched the cartoon. I had, I had, I was like G.I. Joe Central. I mean, that mm-hmm. was my jam back in the day. This is uh, for Savage Worlds. Freedom Squadron is for Savage Worlds. And this is G.I. Joe. 
That's what this is all about. Is oh. the Freedom Squadron is is the Joe team, and they are fighting Venom, which is their Cobra analog. And they have, I mean, if you just look at this, are we are we posting links? We haven't we posted sure links yet. Okay, I'll take care of that. Okay, cool. You're good. I'm also. We've also. We are showing it in stream. Oh as well, yeah. But I'll, I'll I mean, throw if you just look at the artwork, it's it's just like the Joe team in the in so, the in the Cobra. So. The quality, I'm sure, is better than this, but I have to make the comparison, right? So this is this is uh, GoBots. For your oh, the GoBot equivalent. Okay, no, oh, this is I, mm. this is Mothership to the Alien RPG. Mm. Okay, well, I like that comparison better. Not that I you was against GoBots, not an 80s right? Kid because right. you would not, not that know you how insulting. Go- Saying that anything Listen, is GoBots. That's why I said is. I'm sure that it's better, but yeah. the comparison must be made, right? Like the fact that I can recall GoBots. That was impressive. Even though I'm not yeah. an '80s kid, like I'm saying, like the brand has legs, even though it's the secondary brand, right? Yeah. So, I mean, th- to me, would that we very... all could be GoBots, right? Right. Like <laughs> to. To Transformers. To yeah. Transformers. To, to, to mm-hmm. those who are Transformers. I mean, aren't we, are we not a podcast of, of GoBots? Like, nope. nope. No? Nope. I'm not sold I, on that. <clears throat> listen. I, I, I personally never got into Transformers or GoBots. I, I was more of a Micronaut, G.I. Joe oh, type. Oh, Micronauts are good too, though, man. Like, that's, that's a good jam. Yeah. No, Transformers, superior, far anyway, superior to GoBots. Anyway, <laughs> fine, yes, fine, fine. Back to, back to Freedom Squadron. It uses the Savage World game engine. Bunch of knuckleheads. Um, and uh, Friends and Foes, it details more about the, the Freedom Squadron team. It gives you more, uh, how do they put it? I don't remember. Uh, let me find it. There, there's a meta plot that rev- that that flows through this game, hmm. and it gives you more uh, like backgrounds and things like that for your for your good guys and your bad guys. You can play as either, um, and like just it contains characters like Bowser and Pit, the heroic military working dog team. Um, hmm. Yeah, Roughhouse, the most dangerous martial artist alive. The Pitmaster, Venom's cruel combat instructor. Octavia, mistress of the ocean depths. So things, you know, it, it fleshes out all of those. If you if you were if you know anything about the GI Joes of the eighties, you know they had those cards on the back of the toys, and it had their their MOS and a little bit of history about them and all that stuff. That's what this game is, and I mean the 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 look of it, it feels like these guys are jumping in an, a cartoon episode. Hmm. So you need, you need the, uh, the Savage Worlds book to, uh, to play the game, but you also need the Freedom Squadron main rule yeah. book. And then this is the Friends and Foes manual that's coming out. Uh, I am waiting for the day that I can find this crew, uh, Evil Beagle Games, at a convention. Because mm. I just want to sit and bask in the glory of their Jonas, right? 
because I mean, mm-hmm. one is Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds is a fantastic system. Two, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's as close as we're going to get to GI Joe until Rampage releases their five E based ish D twenty kind of mm-hmm. whatever yeah. GI mm-hmm. Joe game. So, and I'm kind of thinking, why not both? Hmm. Why not? It, bare minimum, like like this is this is GI Joe for Savage Worlds. So if you don't yeah. want a D twenty system, if you want to play in Savage Worlds, like there you, you can take. I mean, I'm sure that a huge portion of this is if you wanted to be GI Joe, all it takes is a couple of little tweaks and noodles, and you're good to oh, go. Oh yeah, right. So yeah, and like all like straight up, some of the artwork that they're showing here on this page is awesome like it's very gi joe evocative so yeah it's mm-hmm. so fun it is so yeah. fun yeah heck yeah okay cool all right well i appreciate you bringing it up i like talking savage worlds itching to get in on uh, a game or two of that in the near future so yes indeed freedom squadron friends and foes uh it's hit almost ten thousand dollars of its seventy five hundred dollar goal and it has 11 days to go as of this recording all right, next we have another one from John. Um, yeah, John. Okay, this is this the big one. This is, but this is like as a caveat. This is a board game. Yes, this is a board game. Talking. This is a board so game. let's yes. put that because the numbers that we're talking about for this one are nuts. Yes. But it's a board game, so we got to keep that in mind. Nuts numbers are more typical for that. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the thing that, that really grabbed me about this. This is Mythwind. Uh, it is a persistent world, asymmetrical, and cooperative board game where you become a pioneer in a whimsical fantasy world. Hmm. I uh, This feels a lot like what the guys at the Free League booth were talking about with Forbidden Lands last time, right? Where you've got, like, the grid, and you plop the town is here and you get like stickers that you put a, a, this is a, where a town's at this is where a resource is at this is where a, a villain's lair is going to end up being and so it could be different every single time that you play it you know you can reset the grid start all over again and you'll have a completely different experience Mythwind is a lot like that um, the, it is a board game the, the interesting thing about it though is I can easily see this and the, what my mind immediately went to is I can see this being kind of like an opening salvo kind of game where you play this with your, your friends that are not mm. into D&D and then, hey, you know that world that we were creating? Let's play in that. Mm-hmm. And the DM says, awesome, let's transplant this. No longer, it's not going to be a board game anymore. Let's get into like the more gritty detail and have these really, really uh, intensive storylines and interactions and uh, uh, narrative things, right? This is, to me, that's a gateway into that. And even if it's not like a... a something that's new to players or like you have new players that you're trying to get into D&D this would be to me as a, a really cool mental exercise to help you and your players create your world together right um, mm. the basic overview is that again it's a, it's it's persistent right so each system impacts the next or each not system yeah each session impacts the next next session the next ses- next session and they have built in um physical like uh, cards and features and things like that where you can track where you were last. It's kind of like, quote-unquote, a save game state. Um, Players choose a character, 
with their own unique way to contribute to the town, right? So there's a town that you all that you start and you start building off of and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it unlocks different events and uh, and quests and things like that as you as you go along right so it scales uh, it's cooperative hmm. uh, and the, like it says there's an emerging narrative where the story develops organically based on the type of town you create and the adventures that you choose to embark upon uh, so this is yeah it's a board game but I, it is very it's it's interesting. It's absolutely fascinating to me from what its intent is. It's there's not like a specific win condition. It's very much like D and D in that ele- element. Um, mm-hmm. You just you're doing you're just you're developing something. It's almost like uh, it satisfies that kind of like the Catan or Catan itch of like exploration mm-hmm. and resource gathering things like that. But there's really no end to it at all. Um, I I love this thing and it looks really really good. Right, so all of, like the the kind of the pillars that we usually hit on the on the show are like, does it is it fun? Is it cool? Does it look good? Right? Does it look mm-hmm. good? Yeah, it looks really good. Uh, the um, all the pieces make sense to me. Whenever I look, I can just look at it. I don't know anything about the rule the rules, but I can already see what they're trying to get me to do with the different elements that are in there between the board, the cards that they're using. Um, you have like different kinds of not characters necessarily. It's like roles, crafter, merchant, uh, etc. Right, um, and all the different pieces make sense in, in all of it. The, the skills that they have, and then they, they also encom- they have, incorporate miniatures of the different uh, uh, the different like the crafter, the far like the crafter, the farmer, uh, merchant. Let's see here. Woodsman. And I think that's it because it's only a four-player game. Up to a four-player game. Yes. But it's also but, a single-player game. Mm-hmm. You can play this on your own, which is awesome. If you're the DM and you want to, like, you're stuck on the next encampment or the frontier town or mm. wherever where your players are going to go next and you want to kind of flesh something out on your own, you can use this to help you come up with a lot of really cool ideas to do that with. Uh, yeah. I, I, I really like This was one where... It didn't grab me when I first just saw Mythwin. I don't know what that is, you know. But mm-hmm. I, it, I, I kind of went down the list of the Kickstarters that are there uh, that are out there right now. I'm not surprised why this is doing so well as a result mm-hmm. of that. Fascinating. Well, here, let me do this. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll give you uh, I'll double your money. Um, I also saw a board game this weekend uh, that is on Kickstarter and that mm-hmm. I, along with. Mythwind, because Mythwind does look awesome, and I was looking at it, too. Um, the board game called Beast looks bonkers and awesome. Um, okay. I'll post the link in the chat. Uh, but it's another cooperative game where, basically, you are um, tasked with hunting down big monsters cooperatively mm. to save the fantasy town, right? Oh. Um and uh, this, is a, this is a board game it's a board game oh yeah. it's awesome and so you find you know Fangrair the wolf mm-hmm. and Mara the harpy and Hogbad the giant dire boar and things like that that's cool um, and anyhow it looks pretty heckin sweet um, so if we're talking board games there's there's not just those two but several really great ones on and I think at some point because we're obsessed with Kickstarter, at some point that is going to become more of a component 
to our crowdfunding corner. I think so. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, board games are awesome too, and we need to give them some love. Absolutely. I, yeah, I go ahead, hit it, Troy. I saw I, I I saw Myth when I watched the the opening video. It looked really cool. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I I don't get a, a lot of opportunity to play board games. Mm-hmm. Um, but John, you said something that I am fighting real hard on just not just jumping all in on this. And that was, mm-hmm. you can create the game world. You can create the history of the town mm-hmm. that you started. Mm-hmm. That is brilliant. I yeah, cool. love that idea. You're talking about buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. That oh, makes yeah. the, This turns this from a... a single use game or like maybe we'll play it once or twice and then it'll sit and it'll collect du- dust on on top of it too your friends come over and they hang out and they play this thing on the regular mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're they're so invested in that build of the game another component of this by the way uh is for the kickstarter part of it is they're going to there's actually a fifth character yeah i saw that that they are going to create as, as a byproduct of the Kickstarter, where the Kickstarters, or the those that assist in Kickstarting, will have agency in what that character should be, what their you know their powers, cool abilities, tools, and stuff like that. The journal, the background, all that stuff that kind of comes along with it too. That's a really cool, very smart component to put in this to to again get people excited. Um, mm-hmm. Not just like I'm going to I'm going to ki- help kickstart this thing, but I'm going to be excited about participating in it. It's giving them yes. some of the agency in that. There's yeah. some risk that's involved in that, obviously, where not everybody's decisions are going to be yeah, but, honored you know. or, or heard. But I really like that. And yeah, to your point, like that's the first thing that I thought about. This was like, holy moly, you could take this, and that's like that's how you build your campaign world. And it's that the one the like the single player mode in particular is what made me think about that. Oh, I was, was just yeah. I was even thinking, how cool would it be if you had, you know, three or four of your friends that don't get into role-playing games, but mm-hmm. like board games, you could mm-hmm. play that game, this game with them, and then mm. it informs the campaign that you play with your RPG friends, and then you come back and tell your other friends, hey, you know that game, that Mythwind game that we've been playing? Mm-hmm. I'm using what we do in that game in, yes. in my D&D game. Yes. Yeah. Trip, what? Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, awesome. it is is good bait. So this thing is killing it right now. I, we're oh, not, I don't think time. I'm not doing anything to help it out by like I'm not like they're at six hundred eighty eighty three thousand dollars seventy three hundred and some change backers. They still got twenty days to go. Mm-hmm. They're actually they're absolutely killing it right now. Mm-hmm. But I see why, and I like it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I have I have uh, I am going to back this project. I think I may have to. Okay. Well, here. Uh, You know what? I found this interesting. Troy, you tell me if you found it interesting. John comes to the table touting guides for lazy DMs. Mm -hmm. Um, Troy comes to the table with the practical guide to becoming a great GM. Could you talk to us a little bit about why you would choose something talking about greatness while others would talk about Good enough. Optimizing (laughs) laziness, yeah. That's me. I'm always aiming for the middle. Always aiming for the middle. Uh, I, on the other hand, am always striving to become better. Yeah. Cool. Cool. 
I'm assuming that's what you were trying to lay yeah. track for. I, yeah. I was, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, like, I laid so, it. Like, you drove the train. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm resting on my laurels. Yeah, well, I, I'm resting well, on my laurels. I mean, laurels. you're not running any games for for the next however long. So, obviously, well, what else would you be doing? He says as, he's not. No, no. As promised. Uh, he no. says he's not. But. Nothing. But uh, anyway, uh, the practical guide to becoming a great GM. Uh, this one is by Guy Sklanders. He has mm-hmm. a, uh, a YouTube series, uh, How to Be a Great Game Master. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't watch his YouTube channel enough. I have watched several of his uh, videos, and they are great. And he does have awesome advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to watch more. But this book mm-hmm. is his love letter, His, you know what he's been doing on his YouTube channel uh, all this time. And it kind of breaks it down and, and, and kind of gives you those uh, tips and tricks to take your your game, any kind of game, whether it's D&D, Savage Worlds, whatever you got, to the next level. Hmm. Um, the book is laid out uh, in, in three parts. You know, it's like, where do good ideas come from? Discover your actual GMing style. How, how to set goals that work. Designing a campaign to last NPC uh, artificial intelligence so that way they're kind of they run themselves almost. Uh, phase one of the book looks at understanding our game, why we play it, and how we play it from a social perspective. Phase two focuses on creating a game experience for yourself and for your players because number you know you have to you have to make sure you're having fun too, otherwise nobody's going to have fun. Mm-hmm. And then phase three brings all the pieces together. Um, you have to have an understanding when when you have the big picture and how how we set up our game to run itself, and it frees ourselves to actually play. Mm-hmm. So I kind of you know it's two hundred fifty plus pages. Um, very the artwork is very nice. I like the way it's laid out. It, it's almost as if you know the art on the pages is in the in the background and the actual text that you're reading is on cards laid on top of it. Hmm. The keys are highlighted. Um, nice, big, bold print for the, the, the chapter and what you're trying to... Trying, almost like a textbook from when mm-hmm. you were a kid, how it was laid out. That's kind of what it reminds me of, but I'd actually read this textbook. <laughs> so... I love Guy Schlanders. Um, yes. let me, let me jump in here and say that, um, I don't, I haven't owned any of his books or writings yet. Um, but he ran an Avernus, sorry, an Avernus campaign, um, that I think was pitched as like a prequel to the, uh, Descended to Avernus book. And it was really good. It was like a really limited, I think it was like six or eight episode arc. Um, and he did like a preamble, like for 45 minutes or so ahead of time, where he it was like a live stream of him prepping to run the game. Okay. And so he would chat and say like, "Oh, this is what I'm doing, and I'm building up these monsters, and I'm, you know, this is what the players." And he had an interactive map um, that, if I if I remember correctly, like it was a war of devils and demons, and the chat could influence. Uh, which provinces were controlled by which factions by hmm. their interactions. 
and that would mess with his play. Anyhow, just just really sharp dude with some yeah. really fun ideas, and I really appreciated his approach to doing like this prequel thing, and then the the precision with which it was executed. Uh, so that's enough for me to say. Uh, I think his books have to be worth uh, worth taking a gander. Because, um, man, like as far as a presented campaign, I'm not sure that I've ever seen a more tight, clean uh, presentation for an actual play than what he did. So, yeah, that's I, awesome. My 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 only issue with any of this is trying to decide do I do I buy the PDF or do I go ahead and do the hardback because it is coming from the UK and with shipping costs the way they are you know mm. it's like because I yeah. want this book I want this physical book but I'm like yeah. mm, I would be I... willing to get the PDF and then hopefully find it at the next convention I go to yes that yeah. is exactly yeah. what I'm going to do with it. I, I'll get the PDF in order to, to bide my time. I'll either mm-hmm. get it at a convention or grab it whenever an, another additional retailer but goes out for retail. Yeah. yeah. Try to, it's try a to hard... Out. The book right now, it's 250 plus pages. It's hardcover. It's uh, 45 pounds, which ends up being about 60 bucks. Yeah. But then on top of that, the hard pill to swallow is shipping to the U.S. is going to be another $15. So you're talking 75 bucks for the book, which I'm sure it's a great book and mm-hmm. probably worth that. But you can always cross your fingers and hope it comes to the U.S., like you said. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping so. Okay. Oh, yeah, it looks good. It looks fantastic. Definitely two thumbs up for me. Fascinating. Okay. So uh, that was the practical guide. You know what? We'll do a recap here at the end. But that was the practical guide to becoming a great GM uh, by Guy Schlanders. 181,000 from 3,000 backers with 17 days left to go. Let me talk to you folks about Goblonia. Goblonia. Now, uh, John, you said you hadn't really looked at this yet. No, um, I came into this one blind intentionally. Whenever you mm, mentioned it, okay. So this has this has just crested over its goal. It had an eight thousand dollar goal. It's got eighty three hundred bucks. Two hundred twenty four baggers. Still seventeen days left to go. So we're going to be uh, into the uh, the hubbub of stretch goals um, here very soon. Um, Goblonia is a new RPG, a new game where you play as goblins. But as they say, not those warty green savages from basements and bar guests or path flounders. No, this is a game about pseudo-Victorian goblins struggling under the thumb of fairy oppression. Down with the fatocracy. <laughs> Down with the fatocracy. <laughs> Uh, the city of, Ga- of Goblonia was built ages ago around a crumbling wizard's tower and has since then been mostly ignored by anyone of importance, but that has changed as Titania, the cruel queen of everything, has reclaimed her domain as an outpost in the war against her errant husband, Oberon. Her fair folk soldiers have clamped down on goblin freedoms. Her administrators have exploited goblin laborers. Her spymasters have made the most bothersome of troublemakers permanently retire. Uh, 
but the resistance thrives. I think this is a Kickstarter that should be sold on its art. Um, it's got this like great. Is there a is there a style that I'm that I should be uh, referencing here? It's uh, very. I mean, this looks like some of the kids' books I had. Yes, like a very yeah. fun kids' book. Kind yes. of, but not like, but not um, like it's like a Junie B. Jones. It's it's or... Tony Dieterlizzi does Curious George. Uh, it's, mm. That's how that's how it feels to me. Yeah, it's like it's just got this very like it's fun kid book art, but it's not. But don't let that mm-hmm. that that ter- that description turn you off from it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's it's only in that it is so whimsically. Uh, put together almost yeah. like this go- yeah. gothic whimsy <clears throat> so here's here's so that's the pitch of the world the new system uses card playing card based mechanics you get seven 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 uh seven goblin specific playbooks uh which are things like goon oh my Kook, gosh swindler and lurker um, oh you forgot the best one which one am i forgetting the twiddler the Twiddler, of course. They're skilled with their hands, but instead of manual labor, they're concerned with all the fiddly bits. Mm-hmm. I love this. <laughs> Players control their injuries and gain rewards for failures. In fact, you can choose. There's a there's a rule, and I, I'm not an expert on the system, but there's a rule where you can choose to fail first. Like, mm-hmm. pre-doing pre anything, you can choose to fail as a goblin. Um, the stats are Bash, Figure, Finagle, Scram, Tinker, and Weeple. Yeah. Those are your, uh, of course, your, your six core abilities. And then the other thing that I absolutely adore, um, is it, to me, first off, I will note that this has hints of, like, Powered by the Apocalypse and certain, like, simplified systems like that. Um... But the thing that I love is that the currency of this is called squibs, and it's basically just knickknack, shiny knickknacks and buttons and things. And you, you, you use physical objects from around your house. They're not included. Oh, but like little keys and screws and marbles and coins and that. buttons, right? You collect your squibs. Um, it just like to me presents as something that's been designed with a lot of heart like just reading through the kickstarter itself um there's little notes and cute little illustrations and things that just like yeah that's awesome uh and and shows that there's a lot of like care and love for the system um i don't know i just adore it the only thing the only side effect of this is the only downside of this so it's 220 pages Six by nine hardback. I think that's both reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's not a, it's not the full size book, uh, but they're not asking the full size price. It's uh, forty bucks. Gets you the uh, hardback signed, the PDF, um, and shipping. I think that's wow. reasonable, right? Oh wow. Um, I think the thing that I would note, and I think that there's probably more coming if I was to guess, 
but that the illustration side of things looks a little bit lacking. Like, all the illustrations are amazing. But right now they're saying that there's about 40 illustrations in the book. Oh, wow. For 220 and, pages. That's not a lot. Yeah, that's and a it's, dense it's a, book. So, so to be clear, it says 220 pages, and it says 40 pen and ink illustrations by Thomas Boatwright, who's the guy that we like and have been talking about, his art style. So there may be more art in there, but there's only 40 pieces of his. I would love to see that number increase to where, yes. like, to me, Goblonia should be just as much an art book as it is an RPG system in a setting. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have a sneaking suspicion I'm going to back this anyways. But the thing that's going to guarantee that is if they start increasing those art numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Because it looks awesome. Like, there's nothing about this that doesn't look like something that I would love. I just want it to be... Well, and part of the and... cell is is what, uh, honestly, is what the, the, the concept of it is one thing. But seeing those illustrations tells you so much more about what kind of a game this is and what kind yep. of a story is being driven by it. You know, you yeah. could you could easily misconstrue that this game about pseudo Victorian goblins struggling under the thumb of fairy oppression, right? That could be like really dark, or it could be where it's like more harebrained schemes and absurd plots by you know by goblins kind of thing, where it's supposed to be fun and and, um, and yeah. whimsical as opposed to like dark and gritty. Mm. And the illustrations, yeah. I think they they move it move it towards that, move the needle towards that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's that. Yeah, they're out of Columbus, Ohio. <gasps> Look at that! We probably walked by them uh, oh. at at Origins. Origins. We need to smack ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we'll 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 catch them on on the next time around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's move right along. Though we're past the halfway point, we're moving uh, into the final stretch. John, talk to us about the stuff of legend. Oh, man. So I have a friend of mine, Eck, who created a video game, like a very rudimentary video game when he was going through, like when he wanted to become a a game designer, a video game designer, and it was almost exactly the same storyline that this this, uh, this game follows. The stuff of legend is a three to six player game where you take on the role of a boy's loyal toys. Each with their own unique abilities, and they have to work cooperatively, scouring the dark, which is a locale, in search of the boy before the boogeyman can escape with him. Players beware. Through the course of the game, your allegiance may change. And at Mm. one point or another, your fellow players could be secretly working against you for the wicked boogeyman. It's the setting is in 19... What's, so the setting is in 1944 during the height of the of World War II, um, and it this like during like an air. So you imagine like a boy in England where the air raids are going off, and he already has so much to be afraid of. One night, the boogeyman snatches him up and drags him into the closet, and who's left behind? The, you know, the teddy bear, the tin soldier, um, the um, I can't let's really look at some of the other the other characters that were in here. There's a teddy bear, but what's interesting is oh, the, the, uh, the, the jack in the box, or kind of like the uh, um, like a, a clown 
Uh, or a, uh, mm. um, there you go. Uh, Fillmore, which is the the old man. Harmony, which is a um, was a fairy. Uh, Quackers the duck. Max the teddy bear. What ends up happening to them is whenever they go into the dark, they change from this toy form into a more like an awesome version of themselves, right? Where the mm-hmm. Jack in the Box becomes the jester, and the teddy bear becomes this you know huge badass grizzly bear kind of thing. And so um, the I love the idea uh, for there are a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, I love the narrative idea of it. I love the little boy being kidnapped and the toys coming to his rescue. Love that. What I also love about it is it's cooperative. Maybe right. That it's at any point or another, you're working together and it doesn't just, it's not like with shadows over Camelot or some of the other games that are similar to it, where <clears throat> at one point or another, you are, you become the a villain or you start working against the party <clears throat> and then it stays that way forever. There's this concept of like shifting back and forth in your alliances in this thing where the boogeyman comes to maybe comes to the Jack in the box and talks the Jack in the box into a deal or convinces him that the boy never really loved him. And it's because mm. they, in the dark, what the dark actually is, is it's this land of forgotten toys that are, uh, that are angry at being uh, lost and forgotten by the boy. And they've all been con- convinced to work against the boy uh, by the boogeyman, which hmm. is, is a classic, classic kid villain uh, in the boogeyman. It looks really good. Um, I love the artwork. Again, like go back to it, the artwork is important uh, because it is very evocative. I, I like the there's a loyalty in this that you can gain or lose as you as you move move along the track in the. Um, in the game to where you could, sh- that's a part of one of the dy- dynamics that will actually shift your, uh, your allegiance to the boogeyman or to the boy, right? Back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I love, th- I want to play this. This is a game that I want to play with my kids. Like, like the, I could, because I think that they'll not, not the, the littler, right. Too, but obviously like the, my teenagers would probably really appreciate this. And it'd be something that harkens back to whenever they were little, um, that they should be able, they could be able to t- uh, possibly tap into, but I really, really like. It's got an oversized game board that's like thirty-three by twenty-two inches. This thing is huge, huge game board, mm-hmm. um, and you have to traverse the dark in order to, to find the boy, and then to save the boy from the boogeyman. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well there you go. This so we talked about three board games tonight. This is fantastic. Um, I love this. What a great start. Uh, let's keep John rolling here. And uh, our last three into our last three uh, uh, crowdfunders, John. Uh, this is the big one for the RPG side of things. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep, yep. Go ahead and take it Got away. It. So we've been seeing this on In World on the website for months now. We knew it was coming. I had no idea that it would end up becoming a, a Kickstarter, which I find very interesting. Uh, that is Level Up, the advanced. Fifth edition rule set. Um, it's a standalone advanced 5e tabletop RPG that adds depth and diversity to a game that you already love. Uh, they are already, as of this recording, 25 days left to go, $386,000. So this thing is happening, whether mm-hmm. you like it or not, whether you think that it is necessary or not, it's happening. Uh, 2,300 people have already, um, have already contributed to it. It is... 
I've looked at a lot of the playtest material. And the, the playtest material is really, really interesting. I think they've got a lot of really cool ideas, the way that they've kind of fleshed things out. We talked about this a little bit off, um, off show because I wanted to come into this right. I don't like the idea of ever just crapping all over somebody's Kickstarter. I think that's like, unless I'm, unless I'm excited about it or passionate about it, or I'm really curious about it or really the things that drive me to bring a, a Kickstarter in, in this instance, I'm really curious about it more than anything else. But, uh, between the two, the other two gents here have kind of helped me like, I've, I've been trying to figure out the why of it. Like what, like what's the point? Right. And I think we've, we already did this a little bit off show, but I'm glad that we kind of like saved more of the conversation for now. Uh, in that, mm. um, I like what the two of you said, like for me, let me, let me state my, state my part. And then I'll, I want to, I want everybody out there to hear what the two of you think about this. For me, the thing that made to me, at least what makes fifth Ivy so great is the simplicity of the mechanics. It's so easy. That's why I've one of the reasons why I feel like new players have gravitated towards it is because it's so rules light and so crunch light. Whereas that that's the era of three E in particular was like super tactical, super strategic, super like grid play is a must kind of thing and very, very crunchy, lots and lots of numbers and pluses and minuses and things like that. Four E, you know, the three to four hour long combat slog which is murderous this to me felt initially like a step backwards and back into that uh, but I'm mm. gonna I'll give the two of you a moment to kind of like state your case which I've I respect and appreciate um, on this one so I'll, Troy I think you were the one that kind of you made the, 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 the case first so if you wouldn't mind what is the point of this why, why even bother, bother with this why is this not a step backwards I look at this as, uh, you know, for those for those people that do like more crunch, Fifth mm-hmm. um, E was built on the premise of modularity. So if you look at the DMG, they have all of these. You know, the DMG is not like it used to be in other editions where it's like, here's how you run the game. It is the the Fifth E, the Five E version of it is, here's ways that you can, you know, change up how your 5e runs a lot of variant rules and things like that now level up fifth edition is kind of its own pathfinder kind of a concept to the three five from wizards Mm -hmm. you can run it completely as is or you can mine this thing for more modular parts to stick in your own 5e game if you like a certain way or a certain character class that they've come up with for this, you could pluck it out and pop it in. It's still based on the 5th edition rules, so it's, it's not excluding anything. So this is just more options, is, is how I look at it. And that, to me, you know, the simplicity of 5e is its, its foundation. It's, it's what makes it such a great game. So that you can plug what you don't have to plug anything into it and run it as is, hmm. or you can plug a little bit, or you can plug a lot of it. However, your group, you and your group, want to play. You can crunch it up more if you want, or you can just keep it right where it's at. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is for those people that want to do that. And I am all for it because you know there are some parts of the game that I wish were a little bit more crunchy, but 
you know, not in the aspect that you know, probably a lot of people think, but then there's some aspects of it. It's like, you know what? It's fine just the way it is. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. All right, Zach, what do you think? What's your what's your side on this one? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sit careful here. I think. Um, I don't, I don't have a problem with this book. Like like from a from a presentation perspective, I mean it's been heavily play tested. It's got. It is it is a book full of things that because it's backwards compatible means that you can pick your poison, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of this is that this isn't a Kickstarter for one book. It's really a Kickstarter for like five books because mm-hmm. um, it's got the core three, which is the adventure's guide. And then it's got the GM's guide, which is called Trials and Treasure. Then it's got a book of monsters called The Monsters Menagerie. But then, oh, by the way, there's also Adventures in the Zeitgeist and Mythological Figures and Maleficent Monsters, which we've talked about mm-hmm. before. So, right, so it's five books. Um, to me, um, the problem with this particular Kickstarter isn't the the content or the the idea of advancing 5th edition. I think that's great, going to be great for some people. I want a little bit more crunch or a little bit more depth in my 5e at this point. Uh, for me, it's about, like, this is an exhaustive Kickstarter. Mm. Um, so I, this is this is something where, uh, like, this is Zach putting on his honest cap here, but, like, I don't know what I'm looking at when I scroll through this page. There is a lot of stuff, and there's a ton of text, and there's not a in my opinion, a clear, straightforward answer for like, okay, well, if I'm fascinated fa- fascinated by the idea of depth, what is the way for me to get a taste of what you got? Um, and I think the answer is, well, you either get it in one specific area or you go in for $380 and get the whole thing. Um, I would have liked to have seen a book that was, here is Level Up, in a book Mm. and then we can expand from there Um, but what you're really selling me and this is the thing that I would ask is what you're really selling me is this is a whole new 5e or this is this is this is 5e but it's being sold as a whole new system and for a whole new system you need to spend $400 to get the whole package right so it's tricky. It's a really tricky one because I mean, like, I would love to own that monster manual. That green dragon on the front of it looks awesome. Like, that's a great mm. piece of art. Um, I would love to crack that open and see. Put it like, am I going to get much use out of it without also my players having the adventurer's guide and myself having the the game master's? Guide? Like, I don't know. Um, so, I this is something that I'm going to be looking for at conventions and in game stores. And saying, I want to crack this open and get get a sense for it as individual tangible products, and see if there's a way for me to slide in without going all in. Right. Yeah. So, uh, with that said, so my my look at it now is effectively, I wish them the, absolutely the best of luck, and those that love this, I'm not going to dump on it at all. I see, I know I, I see, I think I see what they're trying to do with it. And I get that. I, what I, I think what I'm confused by or I, I struggle with 
is that there are already other mechanical things that do this. This we we just we'd already did this with third edition. We already did this with three five. We did it. Pathfinder did it. If you want super duper crunch and you want a lot of you want options and things like that. Yeah, it's not backwards compatible with 5e, but that doesn't mean you have to always play 5e. You can play a different. You can play Pathfinder if you want to, or you can play 4e if you want to go. You want like a 15 hour, you know, combat with three go goblins uh, if you want to. Um, I just, I don't because I, what's I think what part of what's going to end up happening with this 2023 or 2024 realignment of 5e whatever this next version is going to look like i wonder if it's going to be the diametric opposition to what they're trying to do with level up where they further yeah. simplify and vo further make it more narrative and things like that and, and some of could be and some of like like you know level up as an example with the because they have like examples of the creatures and the thing and like mm -hmm. The, the stat blocks that I'm seeing in there aren't horrifically changed from the same stat blocks that you would find in a monster manual. What mm -hmm. they're really doing is adding a, like, you know, a lot of help, helpful tools to the front end of it, right? Like, hey, here's how to make an abolith encounter more than just an abolith. Here's suggestions for counterpart minions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Here's legend and lore. Here's if your druid makes a nature check, whatever, uh, arcana check. Here's the DCs required to know anything about Abolith and what those DCs... Like, that's all useful, right? Uh, again, I think this is... This, we've talked about this with other Kickstarters in the past when they do a whole bunch of books like this. Is I am not a level-up person. I am a mm -hmm. fresh person. All this stuff could be awesome, but you've got to sell it to the fresh person just as much as you sell it to the true believer. And I don't know that this is quite being sold to the to the fresh uh, to the fresh eyes. So, it that's yeah. So I don't know. It feels like we're kind of at least I feel like I'm talking down about this book when really what I'm saying is like I don't know what it is and I don't like I don't know what well, I'm supposed to do with it. So I see mm -hmm. it as like to me this this project is no different than like we talked a few months ago Al Kendar's uh, book of everything. Dungeon Coach's book, you know, about yeah. adding new stuff. This is that book, plus Colville's books, plus new monster books, you know, mm -hmm. from other... This is all of those things in one big project. Mm -hmm. And we didn't, you know, nobody really poo-pooed any of those. Mm. So this is the same thing. It is, yeah. It's, it's, it's just new rules to do new things or, you know... I don't know that this is in the book, but let's just say downtime days. Mm -hmm. Downtime days as they are, fine. Maybe in in th this rule set, there's more to it. It gets more noodly, and, and you have more charts and tables and things to roll on and flesh out downtime days, so it's actually a fun mm -hmm. game-within-a-game type thing. That's what I see this as. And like Zach said mm -hmm. with the monsters, giving you more. It's like... You know, you taking the monsters know what they're doing and shoving it into the actual stat block of the monster itself. So that way, mm -hmm. you're not flipping back and forth. Um, I just see it as a lot of options, mm -hmm. and, and I and I see that. I think that's where when you and I were talking about it earlier, I'm like, I didn't come at it negatively, but I cold I came at it like it's going to be a hard sell, right? Yeah. To, to to get me on this one, 
that is, and I think that's fine. I think that what I've, as I'm sitting here and I'm listening more, I still have to end up asking myself, you make really great points about some of these other bolt-on, the, the, the bolt-ons that we see to 5e. Mm-hmm. This is not, this doesn't seem like a bolt-on to me. This is a rewrite. Or not necessarily a rewrite, but this is kind of like, this is this is what they did with original D&D. It's like, this is advanced Dungeons and Dragons. This is advanced, they're even saying it in the name, advanced 5e. Yeah. Like, A5e is supposed to be like this. This is a new uh, This is a new game that is backward compatible with... with this, is, o- this, o- is Pathfind- this is Pathfinder the 3.5. That, that, that's what it's this a is. tricky. Even their own statement is a little bit tricky, right? Because their statement is a standalone five E tabletop RPG, which adds depth but not complexity. But just take that first three three words, right? A standalone five E RPG. Right. Like, what the heck does that even mean? Like, okay, this is Zach they, being a little bit a little bit confused. It to, to John's defense here, I think I know what it means, but. So if you know nothing about 5th edition, right, if you are walking into this blind, first first game you pull off the shelf is level up. Can you play it without owning a copy of the player's handbook? Yes. Okay. That, yes. Based on what they're saying, yes. Right. You be Based on to... what they're saying, yes, right. And that's great. But I think it's a confusing statement to say a standalone 5e RPG because the the name it something else and say it uses the I don't know like <clears throat> it, it, it it's it is its own thing by our own statement right there right but it is also completely compatible and being sold as you can just tack it onto your current player's handbook blah 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 right so it is both. Yep, that's a weird, weird combination. I'm not saying it's a bad one. I'm just saying why it's is it, weird. Why is it weird? It's the same thing that Pathfinder was. Because you could take Pathfinder, you could play three five, mm-hmm. and never journey into Pathfinder, or you could buy a Pathfinder book and take out some bits and pieces and put it in your three Beca- five game. Because once upon a time, and listen, I didn't walk through that era with the same insight that I'm walking into this project with, right? Um, but to me, like, Paizo was trying to give an, like, initially as third-party supplements for, and then it was an answer instead of taking the leap into Fori, right? Like, they were picking up the mantle at that point. Well, Pathfinder came out way before 4E. Right, right. So. But, but they were carrying the mantle forward in that sense, right? To me, maybe the, maybe they're doing the same thing here. Maybe it's them saying, like, we're going to carry the mantle or carry the banner this way. Um, and if D&D goes in another direction, we're, continue, we're fine to continue down this path. It's just a, like, I'm not sure that this expan- for this type of thing, this expansive, that we have gotten a 5th edition Paizo yet. This maybe is it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and so Joe made Joe made a really good point right in mm-hmm. chat. It's like it, they look they yes they have put a ton of work into this. Oh, and yeah. by the way, kudos to them for two years of play testing this thing. This is not something that was haphazardly slapped together. It was definitely well thought out. That, well, well thought out. There are a lot of people that are being involved in it. There's a lot of thought that went into it. In addition, yes, they didn't just hit their target. They blew their target away. And there's and they've still got lots and lots of time left to to gain more traction financially, 
Um, yeah, there was a, there's a market they were trying to to get, and, and they, they got landed. it. There were there are people out there that want more crunch, or they want this like enhanced, if, it, like quote unquote enhanced, right? Their version of enhanced. They want to. They love Five E, but they want more depth, more customization, kind of like things that maybe that harken back to. Man, I really have enjoyed Five E, and it's. I'm I'm glad it's not Pathfinder. But you know what, man? There were some things about Pathfinder I really liked, and I want to be able to kind of like get a little bit more noodly, as to borrow a Zachism. I want to get more, more noodly into my character generation or my monsters or whatever. So, like again, I want to make sure that I say this for if if. Any of the folks that are working on this are hearing it. It's not. It is not a negative. I'm glad that you're you're killing it. I mean that sincerely. I don't know. That, I don't know that I'm. It's. I need it. Is the only thing. I don't. And I'm not. And I'm kind of with, oh. in the same boat with Zach a bit. Where I'm like, it, it's. There's a lot. Oh, there's there, a there, huge. It's a big amount. ask in this financial ask in this. There's. It's hard to. That's a hard sell. But and to I mean, be. Again, and to be fair. Yeah. It's not four hundred dollars to be all in. Four hundred dollars like is one hundred and fifty, right? It's two hundred and fifty-three for like, or two hundred fifty something for every, and that's like the 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 three books, the adventures, some extra stuff, all that. The four hundred dollar is the collector collect. stuff. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm I'm yeah. I'm wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's one twenty for the th- the core set of the three hardcovers plus the PDFs, which to me. What the the real ask in this is really going to end up being that that core three books, right? Because mm-hmm. that's going to that's your player's handbook, DMG, and monster manual that you need in order to, to make the game really operate uh, on all cylinders. And then it's like the starter set is a soft cover that comes along, along with it as well. But you get those extra the the extras that you need that you could get a physical copy of. You save this. This is also in pounds, British pounds, which is what. 65% more, so you really, it is like 200 bucks, then you're looking at, or sorry, 164 bucks, I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at the math now, 164 bucks is a lot to ask for three bucks, that is a, no, that's a no, honker. No different than the core three for D&D, when you look at 50 bucks per. Well, it's, it's, not un, it's not unreasonable for the size and everything, it's just, mm-hmm. again, it's, like, it's I'm looking. For a, it's for a specific target, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary? No, not in any way, shape, yeah. or form. But, it's fascinating because cool. I'm looking at their like who, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating one. We talked about it now for 20 minutes. It is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew this would be the one though that we would end up doing this with for sure. Yeah, this for sure. The, this is the hard one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, here let's let let's leave it there. You know, uh, there's there's a lot more. Like I'm looking through, I'm like, man, we could talk about a lot of this stuff. But oh, a yeah. big part of that is because they have a lot to show, right? Like, yeah. yep. um, they've done a lot of work, like you said, and a lot of there's a ton of previews and there's a ton of ways that people can make their own decisions on this. Uh, they've made three hundred eighty six thousand dollars, two hundred or two thousand three hundred backers so far, with twenty five days still to go. Um, this is a project that could hit that million dollar mark possibly by its end. So it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Again, I'm excited. I, bare minimum, I'm going to get my hands on these books someday and flip through them. Yeah. And I'm super curious. Um, and we'll go from there. Yep. Right on, right Good on. Call. Okay. Uh, last two. Troy, you've got uh, a really cool one. Kick, it, yeah. kick us off. Yeah. The Traveler's Guide to the Toxic Seas. Uh, the premise of this is very similar to you know a lot of the ones that I like to, to talk about. Um, it is 
it is almost like a a post-apocalyptic type thing. A, a strange mist began rushing up uh, from the ground, and it was highly toxic, choking out uh, towns and cities, and it covered the the world, basically. And everybody rushed to the tops of these mountains to survive. And so now they're up in these mountaintop cities, looking down into this sea of toxicity. And they've built ships that, uh, almost like airships, that, that can float along this toxic sea. It has warped and changed the monsters, you know, that's, mm. that were stuck down below. So you're dealing with that. Um, the different cities are either in alliance with each other or attacking each other, you know, as, as whatever may happen during the you know seasons. And they're trying to figure out how to exist in this time and i just the the thought of that is just like oh this is this is really cool Mm -hmm. this is a different kind of a twist on on things you know because i like the airships i like sky pirates and all that kind of thing but now it's an ocean above the ocean Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of like almost like a water world type (laughs) feel but the water is toxic um, it just feels like they went through a lot of work on this project. Um, 20 days left to go as of this recording. They have reached their goal. Um, they, they only had a $5,000 goal, and they're at uh, 6500 139 backers. It can just I commend, seems fun. Can I commend, uh, and I agree with everything that you said, it does seem fun. Uh, I also want to commend them because, uh, and, and probably... I, if, if, if they listen or if, if, if part of their community listens, this is maybe cringe for them. But to me, this is a this is a I'm, I'm proud of a comp, uh, of a project like this because Trailer's Guide to Toxic Seas was unsuccessful just a couple months ago in the mm. same goal, presenting the same project. And they turned around. They it looks like gathered some more art. They did some more graphic design on their Kickstarter, but they're selling the same type of project. Um and pitching it very, very much in the same way, and they're successful in a few days. Um, and to me, that's a testament towards um, not just letting it fall away, mm-hmm. not being you know too discouraged or, or, or letting it go, but actually saying, okay, well, how do we make, how do we communicate this better? And uh, they did that. So I commend them very much for for holy smokes turning that ship around in a hurry to 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 have a kickstarter cancel in august and to turn around in october and relaunch and be successful is commendable yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah i i dig I'm, I'm definitely going to back this one it is it's pretty much right up my alley with all the other kind of things i i enjoy um i like the art i like the kind of you know, it's dealing with a very, you know, like I said, apocalyptic thing. But the art almost gives it more of a, hey, we're making the best of what we've got kind of a situation. You know, at least for some of the pieces, I'm sure they're going to have, you know, some of the, the mountain cities are going to be more like, you know, doom and gloom type thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm curious to dig into this. I foresee, you know, campaigns of, you know, well, we got to dive we got to dive in the toxic sea. 
what's down below. There's mm-hmm. stuff left behind. You know, there's so it's it's a lot like the entire world is the Morn land mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I appreciate a good post-apocalyptic or post-cataclysmic setting. I'm looking at you, Salt Lost Citadel, which is one of my favorite narrative, um, like one of the best stories, one of my favorite stories for a post-apocalyptic setting. It's Lost Citadel. Um, I like this too. I it gets me. I mean, I think Troy and I are pretty close in alignment on this kind of thing, just getting us. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like the dystopian element of it. I like like a lost civilization, a lost empire that you can still dip back into. There's like. I, I like a story like that's why I like that first tier of play so much because the 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 adventurers are struggling the most to survive. Yeah. And uh, as a player, I like that. Right. I understand that's not for every single player, so I don't I don't push that on everybody. But uh, man, mm-hmm. I love the grit, the grime. You know, a, a handful of goblins are a threat. They are yes. a problem. And like resource, managing my resources, like I've got a water skin of water. That's a problem. How am I going to get more water later on? And I know people can get caught up in the minutia of that kind of stuff and, and kind of hate that thing, but I like this. And I, I wish, like, I'm going to back it too. I'm excited to back this one for sure. Yep. I had no idea, was not expecting it, but I love mm-hmm. the I love the idea of, like you said, Troy, there are two oceans. The sky is an o- ocean, and then there's the toxic ocean beneath it. Right. Yeah. It's this oil and water admixture. And what you, uh, and what's going on in there? Is there like a has the has the toxic ocean lifted high enough to now there's a new new civilizations underneath on the I mean, mm. I don't know. I haven't read that far mm. into it, but I wanna find out. I wanna play yeah. I wanna play in this in this sandbox. Yeah, and I like a lot of the the questions they ask. They're they're not saying it out loud, but they're asking some questions in here. Very interesting societal questions like the Church of the Sacred Mist. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. a church that is built around this murderous, toxic fog that has blanketed the world. Isn't that like that? So speaks to the human condition. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. well, it's trying to kill us, so it must be something we need to worship in order to, in right. order yeah. to make it right. And yeah. and there there's limited deities in this, and only right. a few uh, uh, domains that you can choose from, and things like that. Oh, wow. So, so okay, I, I, I think, think that's one thing that we did not. I don't know that maybe I didn't catch it, but I want to make sure that we... It is a 5e campaign. Yes. Yes. I just want to make sure that we mention that, which is... That's awesome. Perfect. Yes. Right on. Okay. Good find. All right. Are we ready for the last one? Yes. Yes. Okay. Last one. So I'll, I'll see us out here with Adventure Kit, The Battle for Arcter's Vault. Modular characters, locations, encounters, and more to build thrilling battlefield encounters. 5e compatible slash system agnostic games. Dudes, like, this spoke my language from the beginning. Yeah. Um, it's any nominated, which I think is a cool thing to note. Um, but the idea of modular elements the idea of uh they've got like this great flow chart here which talks about modular elements easy prep tools um intuitive generators uh play style versatility and then some new mechanics but the idea of like <clears throat> an adventure has never ran the same way twice is just a cool pitch for me 
Mm. Um, I dig it. I absolutely dig the idea of a of an adventure that that you can come back and play again. Um, I like the idea um, that you know they're throwing all of this stuff like it's an adventure path. It's maps. It's encounters. It's NPCs. It's reward and loot. That's what it is. Um, but they want it to be usable in as many ways as possible. And to me, this is speaking my language. When when I design stuff, this is the types of things that I'm looking for too. Now they're they're taking it maybe even a step further with the idea of like one you know every time you play it, it's going to feel different. Um, but I really dig the idea of like we're designing this as a as an adventure path, but that, that you can break apart and utilize different components of um it's just cool this is really <sighs> smart too so they've got i love this uh, they want you to be able to start the adventure as soon as the kickstarter ends so certain completed sections of the book have been combined into what they're referring to as the prequel edition the calm before the storm which is going to allow you to immerse the gaming group into like into this world and into this setting as soon as the the Kickstarter ends, and then the rest of it will end up being fulfilled also, but at the very least, this is your springboard, and to go ahead and just let's go ahead and get started. And then when you get your rewards, all that's going to do is it's going to further flesh things out, so you can just like, you, you can hit the ground running and go, and then you'll, we'll keep feeding you the details that you need in order to... Uh, to keep it running after that, I think it's a really good idea to be able to provide that and produce that uh, as a as an uh, as an add-on. It also speaks to me that there's a focus on encounters and battles. Like to me, that's like I love all the lore stuff, and I like I like you know like um, something that spoke to me that we didn't talk about, but with level up was that they're really focused on the exploration side of things and giving that pillar a big surge of energy. But I also just really dig a game that's like, you know what, let's make some, let's figure out how to make really, really cool, crazy fights. Because mm. um, that's what I, I end up loving to run at my table if I can. Um, so, just speaking my language, I'm, I've already backed it. There's no chance that I wasn't going to as soon as I saw their pitch. Um just looks awesome and this isn't their first one they've got several others uh behind uh, on their belt shadows over drift chapel and oath of the frozen king i actually have oath of the frozen king oh really yeah hmm. <laughs> and yes it uh that is why i was i had thought about talking about this one because you know it is a good i haven't seen anything from from this group, absolute tabletop that I haven't liked. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, would, I saw that you were talking about it. So, you know, I would note that it does need your help. Obviously, it launched uh, this in the last few days. It's not going to have a problem hitting its goal. It's at thirty-eight hundred of a six thousand dollar goal with one hundred eight backers. Um, Twenty-seven days left to go. It will hit its goal, but like I think this is a project that, in my opinion, based off what I've seen here. This is a project that should have a much higher following at the moment, and I'd like to see us help it get its numbers up a bit. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> all right. Uh, so that was our last one. I'm going to do a quick recap just to kind of remind everybody about what we talked about. 
Uh, John, you kicked us off with the Lazy DM's Companion by Sly Flourish. Then, uh, Troy, you went over and talked Freedom Squadron, Friends and Foes Manual. That was the uh, Savage Worlds G.I. Joe riff. Uh, John talked about Mythwind, the board game that you create your own world with. And I kind of slid in my chat about the board game Beast that's also on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, then Troy popped over and did Guy Schlander's The Practical Guide to Becoming a Great GM. Uh, I talked about Goblonia, the Goblin RPG, The Stuff of Legend by John, which is another board game about the toys that come to life uh, and, the, and fight the boogeyman. We spent an extended amount of time talking about Level Up, Advanced 5th Edition, and its holy host of uh, books. Troy rounded out our, uh, I shouldn't say rounded out, but Troy, Troy uh, helped round out our, our discussion with the Traveler's Guide to Toxic Seas. Uh, and then I finished us off with the Adventure Kit Battle for Arctur's Vault, a new adventure, both for 5e and for uh, just a system neutral setting. Whew, nine projects, holy crap. But uh, you know what? I think we did a good job rolling Heck through yeah. them chatting about them um lots to pick through here we didn't step outside the kickstarter side of things the kickstarter mm -hmm. side this time but we talked board games um we talked about games that weren't 5e rpgs that weren't 5e and i think that there's a good discussion that we had there about level up and you know a is it needed but also um you know like it's definitely doing something and it's always fascinating. There's always a fascinating discussion and fascinating insight to be had when a project decides it's actually trying to do something right. Yeah. Doing it's definitely scratching new. an itch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think Joe uh, there in chat said, if you can cater to a ravenous fan base, even if it's small, you can be successful. And that's exact. I think that's exactly what level up is doing, right? Like, and I don't even know how small their fan base is. They might have a good size. Uh, but either way, they're they're committing to a fan base. And that is fascinating. All right, fellas. Anything else uh, from the Kickstarter side of things that we need to chat about? I don't think so. I think okay. that's, en that's enough money spent in one day. Amen. Golly. I'm All broke. right. Well, hey. Um, then, I think... Uh, can I do a little teaser here at the end? I think so. Oh, sure. I think so. So, I won't be here for the next one. Um, so, we're going to have to talk about it the time after. But right around the two-week the two mark from today, Zach is going to be talking about uh, a crowdfunding project that he is a part of, but is not his, and is... Quite possibly going to be the biggest crowdfunder uh, that we have talked about in some ways to date. So, Ooh. yes, that's a little tease for you. little tease. Uh, until that time, I would encourage you to go over to our Facebook page and uh, hunt also the elusive mythological Twitter page and give us a like and a follow. Uh, and if you find our Twitter, let us um, know. 
let us we know. Um, much like that beast board game, hunt it down, slay it, and then bring it back to the village. Mm. Um, yeah, that'd be helpful. Uh, you can also come and hang out with us on Discord. Joe, Joe just said he already found it. That he was... found the Twitter page. Now, Joe, the many have many have spotted the Twitter, but can you can you can you like, you know, net it, collect it, and bring it back? Um, and really, by that, in case anyone's listening and is confused, um, I believe that none of us have permissions to that page and we're tracking down i think there's maybe even two pages out there tied to i think so besides yeah so uh, i, I still to... say one of them belongs to thomas and he just i think know. one of them belongs to thomas and one is just out there at this point so yeah yeah uh but discord's discord's the great way for you to hang out and chat with us um yeah it's where we record these episodes each and every week. But not only that, we have a great community that talks about crowdfunders every, almost every day, just like uh, we do every other week here. Um, there's also a section where you can take pictures of your cool stuff that you got in the mail or from the last convention and show it off. There's game news, movie talk, all sorts of things on there. And it, it can be a, a little uh, rambunctious corner of the interwebs. Uh, and we like it. We do. It's home. Yep. Yep. Uh, last but not least, we'd love it if you would head over to your favorite podcast feed and give us a uh, a rating and a review. Um, those ratings and reviews are how more people find us on those podcast platforms. And uh, Lord knows, and to subscribe, what everybody needs. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. What everybody needs is more of this shenanigans in their day. Yes. That's how we can fix the world. I mean, like. Yeah. If if it's if it's not for you, then you, I'll never be humble because Troy and Zach and the rest of the game gang will uh, will never have an opportunity just to pummel me mercilessly on uh, on both in stream and on podcast form, and that's really and in person and yeah. in person. Yeah, don't let's let's not forget that just because it's streaming doesn't mean that it's not mm. going to be a slobber knocker. It's it's happening no matter what. So. Fair enough. Fair Make sure enough. you get, you get to be a part. Like it's crowdsourcing a verbal assault. <laughs> yeah, really. And you too could join in on the verbal mm. assaulting. Yes, yes. please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great game, everybody. Yes, stay safe.